Podcast, official podcast behind the bookpass.com. I'm your host, site's editor in chief, Adam McGee. Joining me this week, we have staff writer Jordan Tresky. And we have a man who looks and sounds something like managing editor Ty Windish. I don't know, we'll see. Maybe maybe he'll be too busy and he'll have to leave midway through or something, but at the moment, Ty Windish is back. That might happen. I have dinner plans. I have meetings I have to go to because I'm big time. Meetings, meetings. Major key business meetings, big time. Bless up. Yeah, that's Ty Windish back. I'm sure you all missed him. <laughs> um, before we get going into, I guess, the meat of this week's podcast, I want to, let's say, try a little exercise out. Basically, we're now in our 40th episode. We've been we've been doing this for a little while. Um, some of you have been around with us for, for quite a long while. And I'm curious. I'm curious to know, first of all, how do you people listen to us? Is it via iTunes? Is it SoundCloud? Is it Stitcher? Which, Ty Windish, I'm... I, I get the feeling he might have some sort of shares in Stitcher because he's pushing Stitcher really hard. Do you yeah, know why? If, if it's Stitcher, let us know. Do you know why? why? Bill Simmons t- said he really like. I almost said told ah, me. That, that, said he, he said he said I really like Stitcher. I really you guys should listen to Stitcher. I really like it. So I started using Stitcher. Well, I have I haven't used SeatGeek yet though. That's that's good to know. <laughs> anyway, what I would like to know is not what Ty Windish uses to listen to our podcasts. Uh, he probably doesn't listen. He probably just listens to Time Out with Ty over and over again. But Guilty. I want to know how you guys listen and what you think of the podcast. What do you like? What do you don't? What do you not like? What do you want us to change? Have you any ideas? A few ways you can do this. First of all, you can get us on Twitter. Not if you do it anyway, but please, if you're listening, send us a tweet. Tell us how... Winning six arrives in your ears. The other way, some of you really want to break out the long form with this, you can email us at winningsixpodcast at gmail.com. That also, I suppose, stands for mailbag questions. For any of you maybe who aren't on Twitter, who listen every week and are like, How, where is this mystical mailbag? How does it work? That's where you can find it. So let us know how you listen. Let us know what you think. Do you like us? Do you not like us? If you don't like us and you're still listening, well, I don't know. Some life decisions you need to question there. But anyway. We can change. We can change for you. 
No, no, they they can change and this is something else. I mean, Jordan's got to change his Twitter at to at Emily Chesky after last week's episode. I mean, if if let's say for every person who lets us know how they listen to the podcast, Jordan Chesky will write you a haiku. Oh no, <laughs> that's a fair oh, no. deal. So if you're at behind the books and at Jordan Tresky, Jordan will get back to you all with a haiku. I think that's a fair deal for everyone involved. We'll move on to the books. <laughs> Did the books? Am I right in thinking maybe one win this week? Yeah, they're yes, they're they... they're one and five in the last five. One and four in the last five. So yeah. Okay, they beat the Magic. Like pretty much everybody does. I'm trying to think. I don't think anybody else has lost to them since. So probably in their last 14 games now, they're still only the, the Brooklyn Nets who the Magic have beaten. So being yeah, the Magic isn't exactly a feather in anybody's cap at the moment. That we have a new worst crop of teams now, out of nowhere in the NBA. The Suns and the Magic are just awful now. Like terrible. The Magic were like a fifth seed for like five minutes, and now they're just hot. Skiles. Skiles has never Skiles this fast before. He went like a, a three-year Skiles cycle in two months. It's mm-hmm. already over. People already hate him. The thing is the players keep blaming themselves, whatever that is. I, I well, don't know what's... They're, they're young and dumb. If they were veterans, they'd be calling him out every day. If this was LeBron, he would have gotten fired three weeks ago. We do, we don't even need to go there. Let's not touch anything related to Cleveland because I mean just... every everyone agrees. It, there's no controversial viewpoint here. It's not. It doesn't need to be discussed. It's everyone knows what happened. That was the sound of a mic dropping. We are going to talk books though. Not not just Scott Skiles and Orlando Magic. It was a pretty rough week, as I said. The Magic being the only win doesn't mean a whole lot. The books were completely outclassed and blown out in Memphis. And then, I suppose, gave a good spirited showing, or at least Yanis and Jabari did against the Heat. Um, but shorthanded, they weren't able to close it out. The Heat just had too much for them. I'm going to break some, some, maybe some tough news to any of you out there listening who are still hanging on to the playoffs. The playoffs are gone. so It's over. Get Slow over it. Down. Get over it. We don't need to tank. It would be nice to see some wins, but the playoffs are gone. So, Sorry to be the Bears. So bad news. It's like Joe House said about his Wizards on the last Friday roll. Like, they don't need to tank. They're just not good. Like They don't need to do anything else. The books, the books are going to get a good pick just by being the books. Yeah, like they don't They don't need to sell. I mean, I think they should. We'll get to this later. I think there should be a little tradey trade somewhere. I don't think they need to make a little tradey trade to be bad. They're there. Definitely there. Trade is there, trade is, is, there, yeah, is there a difference between a regular trade and a trade trade? No, a little trade trade. Just swing a little trade trade. Jared Bayless for cap space. Who says no? Not for cap space, but. For any of you who thought we were joking you about Ty, you're now noticing his personality has changed. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe Maybe that's the sort of thing to note when you're getting in touch with Jordan for your haiku next week. Oh, no. Um, let's get into some real talk. We've done this a lot of times, but it's something that just doesn't go away. And 
it's that time that we do it again. Let us talk about Jabari Parker. Oh, yeah. Gotta talk about Jabari. This week is a particularly good example of a week to talk about Jabari because I can't remember the Magic game. It's quite a bit back, but he wasn't particularly good against the Grizzlies. Him and Yanis were sort of accused of being invisible by a lot of people. And then he was really good. I'd be nearly tempted to say his best game of the season against the Heat. Definitely his best half. His first half was really strong. I think he was 7 to 10 from the field. Yet, what happens still is everybody gets out for Jabari's back. Everybody. Um, people don't seem to understand he's a 20 year old kid who is coming back off ACL surgery. I understand what the expectations for Jabari were, but I'm not alone in thinking that people's reactions are getting completely ridiculous at this stage. Am I? I mean, it's, I guess, a little less ridiculous now because we've gone a little farther. It's still totally ridiculous. But I had, like, I had people in my mentions in, like, the first month, like, in November. Like, I, it looks like this course is not going to work, huh? And I was like, what? It's been 10 games. Like, who knows? Jabari's played, like, 1,000 minutes or less, probably less in the NBA, maybe more than 1,000 now. No, probably not even, huh? Help me out with math, Adam. Do you think he's at 1,000 minutes yet? Well, if you keep talking, what I'll do is I'll go and I'll tell you exactly how minutes, how many minutes he's oh, played. It's got to be like 60-something times like 25, times 30 maybe. Jabari Parker has played just under 2,000 minutes. Okay, 2,000. That's still nothing. Like Kobe Bryant's played like 800 million minutes. Like that's not a lot of minutes. Like we don't know yet. It's way too early to say anything about Jabari Parker. Like, this is – I don't know how people forgot, like, what rookies are in sports. I don't know if it was, like, the NFL. We had some good rookie quarterbacks recently, like Andrew Luck a couple years ago. People forgot that, like, rookies aren't good. That's why, like, teams with rookies don't just go and, like, win the title. Like, oh, we got five rookie players. We're ready to go win the title. Like, that's not how it works. Like, it's your prime when you're, like, 27. Jabari and Giannis are 20 and 21. Like, we're a long time away from seeing what these guys can actually do. Yeah, um, yeah, I feel like I'm like this is our soapbox for uh, the last like month and a half. Um, I don't know. It just I I feel like it wasn't a coincidence that his best half of or the consensus it was that his best half against the Heat or first half against the Heat was his best game because he was actually involved in the offense. Um, they they regularly set him up to score instead of kind of like this weird weave-in, weave-out kind of flex cuts, all these, like, you know, how their offense runs. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it, it's just ridiculous that people are already, like, there's this countdown clock of, like, oh, if we don't, if we hit by this certain day this season, uh, it doesn't work. We got to blow the whole thing up. It's like, okay. That, that's kind of ridiculous. And I'm sure the expectations of the season get rolled into how they perceive Jabari's performance to be. Obviously, the team has not been what we all expected, but I feel like, I, I just, I don't know, there is this weird favoritism 
with how people perceive Jabari's games versus other players, and it's kind of irrational. <laughs> I'm not wrong in saying that everybody loved what they saw from Jabari Parker in his first 25 games last year. <clears throat> I right, love this year, too. But no, yeah, but you, you agree right with that. not right? wrong at all. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, yeah. Something that people just don't seem to do. So if people actually had a look at what Jabari Parker did last year and what he did, what he's doing this year. So he's down pretty much across the board, which for any player of any age coming back from an ACL injury would be pretty normal. But have a look at the margins Jabari's down. He's down 0.9 points per game. He's down 0.3 assists per game. 0.8 rebounds per game. He's down 0.002% of his field goal percentage. Like, he's actually recall, he's shooting better free throws, um, blocking more shots, and also worth noting, he's playing 1.2 minutes less. So he's playing slightly less, and he's very slightly down across the board. Very slightly. I was, was going to say, if I recall correctly, his offensive rating's a lot better this year than it was last year. 108 this year as opposed to 101 last year. And his defensive rating is worse, but there's no one on the Bucks with a good defensive rating this year. His team's defensive rating is yeah, probably... it's not possible. He's eight points worse, but I don't know. If I was to go and look at the team from this year to last year, it's probably nearly eight points. Well, and, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say Jabari is a good defender, but I think he'll... I, think he'll, I mean, I... One of the things I keep seeing is people, like, think he's going to be, like, the worst defender for his entire career. I don't see that. I mean, I he's just, already, he's, he gets lost. He just doesn't why, know Why does it really matter, though? It only matters because the team's defense is terrible. Like, how often? No one ever goes, Carmelo Anthony can't be a superstar because his defense isn't good. James Harden can't be a superstar because his defense isn't good. So the fact that people make, like, broad, sweeping assertions on what Jabari can be as a player because of his defense is completely insane to me. His defense isn't worrying. He wasn't a good defender in college. If he's not a good defender in the NBA, he's not the first and he won't be the last player. And that doesn't really... It's its about having the right teammates around him and his offense outweighing what he brings you down on on defense. And I don't see that being impossible at all. Obviously, the three-point shot's a concern. Once again, lots of guys have made incredibly successful NBA careers himself. Without, without the three-point shot, this is just the, the new infatuation that everyone needs to shoot the three. If Jabari can't shoot trees at a really high rate and he's not a great defender, that doesn't really matter. If he's if he's the offensive player eventually that everyone hoped he would be, none of that's going to matter. It just means the Bucks will have to tool their roster to get the right players around him, which in that case, it wouldn't be, say, Greg Monroe, for example. They'd need a really good defender and center. I don't, I don't. I don't think he's gonna be bad forever at those areas. Like I don't. Buy, I mean, I, I know what you're saying. Like I see what you're saying, and I agree. I mean, you look at Harden. I do think he can't be considered a top five player when he plays defense like he did the year before last. But I think. I mean, prime Jabari. I don't think he's gonna be that bad defensively. He seems like he's got basketball intelligence, but he doesn't know what to do on defense a lot of the time yet. And I think that makes sense. I mean, he's played sixty or seventy NBA games. Somewhere around that region, I think. 64. 64. It's like, okay. E either way, I mean, it's it's four four games between 64 and 68. It doesn't make that big of a difference. Like, he's going to learn what to do. I mean, the Bucks play a weird, complicated system. Maybe not for that much longer, but right now they do. 
And it, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to learn what to do in the system, I bet. I mean, I just think it is. I don't think you really need to assume that. I mean, I think he's going to get better. I mean, he's athletic. He's not super slow. I don't think he's going to be a, an Ennis Cantor. You can't put him on the floor in crunch time because he's just that atrocious on defense. I don't think he's going to be that, ever. I feel that his, the other thing, too, is that his, the injury that he had is just such a reset. And, you know, again, expectations kind of uh, kind of explain this narrative that, you know, he, we talked about this with Frank Madden the other day, and he was like, well, he hasn't been the scorer that uh, we're kind of we're led to believe. And that's true. I, I Obviously, that is true. But that's also been the way – I feel like that's been kind of – Compromise is not the right word, but that's also been the product of how the Bucks or the coaching staff develops their young players. They want to have, ideally, they want to have all five positions to be able to contribute equally. And that, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's all, it's just really jumping the gun, and I feel like it's like, if it's not, if it's, Keeps getting further and further. I don't know what, exactly what I'm saying with this. I no, I I get the point you're making, right? I'm actually. What I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do something we've never done before. I'm gonna pull one question up out of the mailbag, and I'm gonna bring it right up to oh. now because it basically nails exactly what you were saying there. This question comes from at at Shack be snacking, which is Ooh. I like the handle. It's good. His question is, what is Jabari's potential as a scorer if his shots begin to fall? The second part of those is what's maybe more relevant to that, and that's on a less talented team, would he put up Wiggins' numbers? Now, away from the question, um, myself and at Shaq B. Snacken were, were discussing this, and he gave the example of the Timberwolves straight out, and... When I first thought, I was like, oh, that's close. It's an interesting question. But sort of letting it settle, and now that I think about it, if he was on the Timberwolves, a team where it's like, everybody's young, look, go and find your own way with it, I guess, and there's more freedom for those young guys, would Jabari be putting up better numbers? Absolutely. 100%. Just because the books are bad now, it doesn't mean that he wasn't a top draft pick a guy with lots of talent having to settle into a team with playoff expectations. That's what the books were. And that's not a normal situation for a number two pick. And Jabari never got that year even where the team is so bad. Like, that's a part of most top picks' journey. Unless a pick has been traded or you have, like, I don't know, the Spurs situation where they drafted Duncan where it was basically they tanked with Robinson injured. That doesn't happen. You get it. A top pick because you're bad enough that when those guys come in, it's basically their team. Jabari never got to experience that because even when he was around, the books were better than people expected. They had a really good season, and by the time he comes back from injury, he's into a playoff team. That doesn't happen. You don't see guys who are supposed to have this incredible talent who are waiting to see takeover games. You never see them plug like straight into teams with real expectations and like prove you can do something. And I think that's a bit revisionist that now that the season has fallen apart and the books aren't very good, to just dismiss that and be like, well, why isn't he doing this? Well, he's sharing a court with 
whether you like him or not, Michael Carter Williams, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Greg Monroe, they're real players. They're not the same caliber of players that that Wiggins is like playing with in Minnesota. Obviously, Towns has, has added to that, and their multiple draft picks have changed that process. But do you get what I'm saying there? It's a, it's a strange situation to have a top draft pick in a team that actually wasn't that bad to begin with. And even now when they are bad, I guess they're they're on the wrong end of mediocre without being terrible. Yeah, yeah I mean, the talent level is clearly higher. That's why people are so frustrated about this Bucks team because the talent's there. I mean, we've seen what Middleton can do in stretches. I mean, you've seen – I mean, Greg Monroe, I mean, a lot of people think he should be traded. He's not the best fit. Regardless of that, I mean, he's a really good player. Like, he does what he does really well. One of the best – I'd probably say five low post scorers in the NBA. I mean, it's like this talent on this team. And exactly, I mean, if you dropped Michael Carter-Williams on the Nets right now, he'd probably average a double-double. Like, he'd have all the touches. I mean, they got Brooke Lopez and Thad Young, but, I mean, those guys clearly aren't that good seeing us where the Nets are right now. Drop MCW on the Sixers, like where he started. I don't know if either of you remember, like, yeah, yeah. MCW's first two weeks where he really sort of started to do things, and it was like Twitter was freaking out over Michael Carter-Williams, and it's like he, he won Rookie of the Year for a reason that year. He, yeah. he almost dropped a triple-double on the Heatles in his first game. Yeah, that, that's exactly the game where people went crazy on. I mean, it's, it's it's a tough one to get your mind into that place, but I, I think it's a really relevant part of it. It's just That's, like the the books, if the books were giving Jabari free reign, they'd be doing it wrong. And that's where maybe the development process hasn't gone quite to plan. Like, I don't know, maybe a different way of putting it. Can either of you think of a guy who was like, I'm going to say a legitimate top star in the league? who came in and did that in their rookie season, their second season, on a good team, on a playoff team, on a team who were trying to make the playoffs. There aren't a lot of those guys. Like Those teams, you have teams who can become playoff teams because they get like a transcendent talent, but it's tough. Like Guys like... Guys like maybe Jimmy Butler, but Jimmy Butler didn't do it all or anywhere near it in his first season or his second season. He gradually worked his way up. And you've got, I'm trying to think, I don't know quite where the Pacers were at when Paul George was drafted. He was the 10th overall pick, so it would have been... But he was, I think at the time he was like behind Danny Granger. Yeah, that's true, and Danny Granger was really good then. But then even when you get down to that level, if you're getting a number 10 pick, you're 10th overall, you're a pretty solid team. Jabari was the second overall pick. And it wasn't like the books took a massive leap up in the lottery and it was luck that got them number two. They were the worst team in the NBA. So, Can I can I present a controversial little opinion here? You normally do, so... <laughs> I think it's more impressive for a rookie to fit in on a good team and have a reduced role that helps his team than it is to just go off like they did in college. We did the Hoops Habit NBA ballot for last season. Andrew Wiggins wasn't my Rookie of the Year vote. I was like one of three people. No, it's actually it was a couple people. I voted for Miritich. Miritich really helped that Bulls team that year. He's not been as good this year. Adam made a, a grimace at me. Yeah, Miritich I was I was more thinking it, I was more thinking of how 
that sounds now is yeah no no if yeah. you go back look at look at their rookie seasons compare and contrast Miritich's advanced numbers slaughter Wiggins field goal percentage three point percentage free throw offensive rating I mean he's more of a rebounder he dished a couple of sit no not a couple but he passed a little bit I mean he fit in a perfect role on a Bulls team that clearly I mean they were better than the Bucks but that wasn't too hard but I mean I mean the Bulls have been in the playoffs for more years than pretty much anyone except for the Spurs and Hawks. I mean, the Bulls are always at least pretty good. Miritich fit right in right away. I thought that was super impressive. I mean, yeah, Wiggins went off. He's super talented, and there's no one else on his team. Of course he did. Like, I they're going to they're gonna give him all the touches. And I agree with that to, to an extent. But that even further supports it, because the thing with Miritich is, Miritich is a rookie, like, in inverted commas, because Miritich was, like, EuroLeague MVP for Real Madrid... I, I genuinely think he, I genuinely think he won that. If not, he was right at that caliber. He was averaging like a double double for three years. So he yeah. was like easily the best player in Europe. So it wasn't as big a jump for him to settle in. Like a guy like Jabari, that doesn't, that just I, I can't think of examples. I, re, I really I can't. This is well, this I mean, is a it's part. not like Miritich wasn't. I didn't think of him as an example for what you said. Like no one looked at that Bulls team last year and said, yeah, there's stars Nikola Miritich. No, I think but I'm just talking. Player is more important. Absolutely, but in terms of a guy in his first season in the league being able to mesh into a good team, there's one this year. A little, little bit south of of Wisconsin, just got his first start the other night. Miles Turner. And they're not as good as maybe they should have been. Not, I mean, but they're yeah. not super good, but I mean, you're not going to find a guy in the Cavs. Yeah, but he's he's what was he eleventh pick? I'm gonna say the Pacers were. Uh, yeah, it might have even been it might it's eleven or teens even. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's different when. I don't know Jabari's situation is just it's pretty unique. Yeah. Drafted for what was the worst team in the NBA, to basically run through maybe twice the length of preseason in terms of actual three times in the preseason in terms of NBA games, tear your ACL, come back, and the team to be really gunning for the playoffs, made a major free agent signing, had been to the playoffs the year before. Like, there's so much to adjust to there, and it's like, I, I just don't know what people expect. And the other part of it is, I don't know what everybody's rush is. I honestly don't understand. Like, particularly with this season being bad, why trade Jabari now? Because this season is gone is exactly the reason why you'd take stock of everything you have. They don't need to extend Jabari for another... Two years? Two years, yeah. So why would you... I think they could push three... Trade away Jabari Parker on his rookie contract. I mean, it's... Well, I mean, you're talking about, like, Bucks making calls trying to trade him, like, you're not saying like if a Blake trade came up and it was like Jabari Monroe. No, there's, there's obviously if you yeah, get a okay, superstar, okay. that's very different. I, I feel not, like, I feel like people don't people don't notice that distinction. Like people people think that like for instance, people like on one side of the fence will look at like I'll I'll put up trades like that. People will look at me and go, "He's trying to shop Jabari." I'm not. And then people on the other side will go, you know, like, "Oh, you said you can't trade Jabari, so you wouldn't trade Jabari for you know Steph and Draymond." Like obviously you would. There's there's a there's probably close to ten guys in the league right now that no matter how much people love Giannis, love Chris Middleton, 
and maybe some of the people who do love Jabari, there's about 10 guys there that if a team approached you and went, well, you can have this guy, sort of ready-made NBA proven superstar now, and we want Jabari or we want Giannis, that there's deals that people would listen to there. It doesn't mean that they make it or it's the right deal, but there's proven superstars. The thing is, even when we're not talking trades, it's just the whole atmosphere around Jabari is... It's panic, and I don't understand it. Yeah, I really touched on this dumb. briefly in the same conversation that Jordan mentioned earlier, and I don't know, maybe Twitter is not the best forum for it, so maybe actually being able to speak will, will help get the point across here. The Bucks haven't had a superstar in a long, long time. Like a real superstar. Early 2000s? Early 2000s. And even then, I mean, last superstar that they drafted as a superstar, you're talking Big Dog. Yeah, it's just Big Dog. That's a long time, and particularly once the breakup of that George Carl team and that, that big tree, things have been super, super grim. That, I mean, that weighs down, and that eats into a fan base's mentality. So there has to be a part of it, because... The way I worded it on Twitter, and maybe it was taken a little bit the wrong way, but the books needed, as a fan base, as an organization, they needed a superstar more than any other team in that draft. You could say what you want with the Timberwolves. They had Kevin Love. I mean, whatever way that ended up, they had a taste of hope and optimism that eventually goes wrong. The books hadn't had that in a long time. Nobody can call Monte Ellis and Brandon Jennings hope and optimism um, I think I think that really affects it is that the expectation was so strong everyone was hoping Jabari was going to be the saviour and it's like now what, why why hasn't that happened it's like well what's the hurry I, I know it's been a long wait but when you've waited this long if you're waiting since 1997 when Glenn Robinson was drafted 94 94 okay I'm well off on that one <laughs> um, if you're waiting since 1994 I'm not from around these parts Just forget what I do every day I'm not from around these parts but if you're waiting from 1994 for a guy like that and you get the guy why Why would you get down on him or be prepared to like give up hope after less than 70 games why after two seasons there's guys who are going to be drafted I said it before we started recording the podcast to you guys tonight. Chris Dunn is going to be 23 by the time he gets drafted. The amount of people who have tweeted at us, and we've talked about Chris Dunn, but are like, oh, if the books got Chris Dunn, that'd be great. If the books got Chris Dunn, he's going to be three years older than Jabari Parker? It's like, oh, oh, why are people down on Jabari? Why can't he have those three years like that, that Chris Dunn has been afforded in college? I mean... I don't see the big deal. Everyone needs to calm down, particularly when the books are bad. If the books were really good this year and Jabari was the one glaring hole, bringing the team down, that's different. But when the team is bad, I, I don't see what damage it does. And you, you let him go and you feel his way. And he looked confident against the Heat. Just really? the whole way he carried himself. And at the time, I think I, I probably... They expected MCW to be unaffected by it more. But in hindsight, Jabari was impacted by Kidd's decision to bench him. 
he came out and maybe had a more immediate reaction. But early in the season, the negative thoughts that you could sort of see running through Jabari's head when he was on the court, they were more to do with his knee and his health to me, particularly with rebounding. He wasn't wasn't eager to like throw himself towards rebounds. He was sort of staying out, out of the paint. Where after that, you, you could just see there was more thinking involved in his game. And I think it was... I think it was Eric Neen tweeted this the other night. Jabari's passing has, has really improved in recent weeks. He's throwing some really nice passes around the court. And I think the way that Eric put it was that it looks like the game is slowing down for him. And that's, that's something, that's a process that actually takes time. You've got to adjust to the pace of the NBA if you're a rookie. Never mind if you're coming back off an injury that's completely sort of stopped your development in its tracks. There's so many variables. I, I think you could go on talking about forever all the reasons why like, there needs to be more patience, and yet people aren't really prepared to give it, or they're questioning, or they're worried. Like, yeah, look, it's concerning, because this was a guy, he was a can't-miss guy, supposedly. He was an absolute superstar, but there's no reason to say he won't be that guy. As I said earlier, and you're probably right, Ty, his defense won't necessarily be bad all along. He could become an average defender. He could become an average three-point shooter. If he doesn't become either of those, it doesn't mean that he still won't be a really good player. That's not how the league works. That's what's that's what's fashionable at the moment. I mean, everybody wants a Draymond Green. Jabari Parker was not drafted as that guy. It's like, for me, there are two things that people are asking of him now that were the obvious knocks. If you went and read any Jabari Parker scouting report pre-draft, his range was questioned, although everyone said he can develop it, which I think is exactly what people say now, so that's alone that time. And his defense. Then there's the same. Like, I mean, all his issues are the same issues he had coming out of college. And yeah, there's two ways of looking at that. It's, well, one, maybe everyone overrated him in the first place, and that's not his fault. If he turns out he's a really good player, but maybe being a tweener becomes a problem, but where does he play? We've seen a touch of that. Maybe that factors in. Maybe people overrate him. On the other side, he's the same guy he was when he came out of college because he hasn't had time to grow and develop yet. So more playing time, more patience, and that will pay off. I think we see that. There's still ups and downs. But Jabari's good games are a lot better recently than they were earlier in the season, all rounds, I think, anyway. Yeah, and I mean, you kind of hit it on the head with this whole superstar expectations because I keep seeing this with you know when they when I see people criticize Jabari it's like well we have to hold him to the superstar th- like threshold or like, I guess that's a word um, and it's like he's in again he's in year two even a guy like Wiggins Wiggins I obviously it's easy to really compare these two because they have always been looped together for such a long time. But he's still having a productive season. He's not a superstar by any means right now. The team, it's it's ridiculous to even suggest that, personally. And it's all about, like you said, like the evolution of their game. They're so young. He's still so young. Coming off of a major knee injury, maybe the fate is a the best with Monroe, who, I mean, that's a byproduct of where the team is at right now. And just take it, 
take it one day at a time, and there isn't the clamoring for a trade just for a sake of trade, which I think that's what this whole thing is. Um, it's just ridiculous to me. It's very kind of Herb Colian, and people have said that let's try to get out of that era, and I feel like people are still acting, or the way I've seen trades being floated out with Jabari, it's of that mindset, and it's kind of, I don't know, it's, I find it odd. I got another mic drop moment. So every time... I, I'm just sick of people like assuming that like if you have a top three pick in a draft, like, well, okay, you get a superstar, like guaranteed, like that's not how it works. Every time anyone compares Jabari to the number one pick in that draft, Andrew Wiggins, please subsequently compare him to the number three pick in that draft, Joel Embiid. Every time, like that's what that's the range right there, and it's probably even wider than that. Like that's what happens. Like sometimes you don't get. Like, it's not like, oh, you have the number two pick. You're guaranteed to have Michael Jordan in his prime. Like, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes you get a bust. Sometimes you get a superstar. Sometimes you don't. I'm not saying Jabari can't be a superstar. But I'm saying if you're going to unfairly compare him to Andrew Wiggins, then unfairly compare him to Joel Embiid, who has yet to play a minute. And that, that even goes, like, Embiid's the... I guess Embiid's the most extreme example of that but it's accurate being Jabari's class. But even if you look this year, and I'm not saying any of these guys are bad, but I still think there's like, there's a scale. Like for me, you've got Towns over here, then you have Okafor in the middle, and then maybe Russell a little bit lower at the moment. Maybe Russell and Okafor aren't too par too far apart. But there is, there's a definite sort of scale. And all three of those guys, like around the time of the draft, they were sort of interchangeable, depending on what way you were thinking. Which three? Well, either three, I guess. Towns, Okafor. Well, well, yeah, even for both drafts. Either, either, yeah. I mean, I, there was talk that... Uh, but, uh, yeah, definitely the other draft, too. And, I mean, last year, with hindsight, there you go. You look, who's, who's the best player of the draft? It's Towns or Porzingis, who was even yeah. outside of that. So... I don't know. I, I mean, and to be clear, because I know we've mentioned a few times the word trade. I'm not talking about any of this in terms of trade, because let's be honest, I feel any rumor involving trading Jabari Parker is absolute rubbish. I don't know why anyone would waste their time talking about it. I talk about trade rumors that I don't hold a lot of don't hold a lot of weight in. I did it, I did it today or yesterday as you listened to this. I wrote about these Ty Lawson books trade rumors to crop up because I just didn't understand where they come from. You won't find me writing about trading Jabari Parker right now unless, as we mentioned earlier, all of a sudden there's serious whispers that the books want to go after, say, Blake Griffin. That's where things get a little bit different when you look at players in that sort of category. Otherwise, forget about it. And if you were trading him for a guy like Blake Griffin, and there'd have to be more as part of that deal. But if you're going to do that, that's not a reflection even on where Jabari is at now or the, maybe him not being quite what he is. Or That's just, that's Blake Griffin. I know what he is, I'd make a deal for him, or if it was Carmelo Anthony or whoever. And I'm not talking about these guys specifically in terms of books fit or anything so people don't need to freak out. Um, just as name examples of superstars, and there are superstars who could be on the trade block. 
please, 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 if you're listening, if you're one of these people who questions Jabari, just take a step back and think why. Why does he need to be good now? Aside from for our viewing entertainment, why? There's no need. Just be patient. Because it doesn't help Jabari, it doesn't help anyone else if everybody's on his back. And that, that extends into the team itself. I said it earlier in the season. When I see Bucks players like really go at Jabari over blowing defensive assignments, I really don't like that. I just I don't think that's the way that's not how Kevin Garnett is helping Wiggins and Towns in Minnesota. That's the best way I could possibly put that. On the court they should have each other's back. Behind the scenes, different story. But on the court, I don't think that's how it should be dealt with. Separate issue. We'll move on from Jabari until maybe this time next week when we need to revisit it. Any of you listening, don't force us to revisit. Just patience. I'm very serious about the MB thing. Every time I see a tweet comparing Wiggins and Jabari, I'm just going to send you a picture of Embiid like with some Shirley Temple pictures like photoshopped in there. Chicken fingers, hotel rooms. Maybe I'll send you buffing. Can we, can we send like the vine of him shimmying in the the pregame huddle? No, you know what? I'm gonna send I'm gonna send the vine of him when he got drafted by the Sixers. When he's like, because <laughs> that's my reaction every time I see that. It's definitely it's a valid point. Talking about trades. That was maybe my loosest transition ever, but it was loose. Can I sneak in a quick thing about trades before the one you're trying to talk about? It's just like one quick question yeah. for you two. Let's do it. Am I alone in thinking it's dumb if they don't at least like sort of shop around Jared Bayless? You're not alone, but I doubt that's a unanimous feeling. Um, How, what, do, what do you think? Because I think it's, that... I well, I think if they make a deal or not, or whatever, like. Bayless and Mayo have no value this summer. I Oh, this summer. So they, they have no value this summer. And if this season is gone, as we said, this season is gone, so forget about holding on to them for whatever reasons. They have no value this summer. So if you can get any asset for them now that is around beyond this summer, I think you'd do the deal. I think I, there's... I, I, don't think, I don't think you should... I don't, I'm not saying the Bucks have to trade Jared Bayless. I'm saying the Bucks are dumb if they're not calling teams that are looking for shooters, Golden State... I mean, any team can use a Bayless. He's cost $3 million. At this point in the season, he costs more like $1.5 million because the Bucks are already giving him half his game checks. Like, see if you can get a pick or a young guy for him. I, I really like the Kevon Looney thing. I don't think it, I don't think the Warriors would maybe do it. Maybe they do. They probably don't. I, I think the Bulls. The Bulls would like a Bayless. The Bulls. I wish, I wish Snell for Bayless would work straight up because I think they're sick of Snell. I don't think Snell's a garbage player. I think he's having a bad year, but they can't afford to let him work it out. I like him as a backup wing in Milwaukee. The salaries don't work. The Bulls have no trade exceptions. I think Mayo could be a lot better with a good team than he is for the Bucks right now. The I only mean, problem just, is eight million is a lot of salary to just sort of squeeze onto a contender. That's the only million, issue with that. Eight million's a lot, and I don't think any contender would give up anything for him. I mean, they just go look at his shooting splits right now. Bayless has value. Like, Bayless is... I've seen a couple stats about this shit. I'm sure Eric Neem had one. He's always got the, the best stat stuff out of nowhere. I, I, I had one earlier, though. It was, like, him and, like, Redick and Curry and a couple other guys for shooting a three-point percentage while taking that many shots per, per 36. Like, obviously, he's not J.J. Redick or Steph Curry, but he is a bench scorer who can make his own shot. 
that's rare. That's valuable. I still like the Raptors, too. I know they have Corey Joe. No one on that team scores nine points per game from the bench. Like, they don't have one bench score. He's a former Raptor as well. He was there, too? He's been everywhere. Yeah, he has been everywhere. Give him back to Memphis. He signs him cheap and then goes, oh, you know, we could get something from him. Um, I, I just think, like, expirings aren't that valuable as expirings. But if you've got a good player on a cheap expiring deal, that has value. That's that's why I like I think if you made the right call I don't know I don't I don't know how real this rumor is but I I did read a while ago that the Warriors wanted to add a shooter. I don't really know why I don't know where Bayless would fit it on the Warriors. But if you could if uh, Bob Myers was like drunk one night and the John Hammond slash Jason Kidd two headed GM monster called him up and goes look you're never gonna play Kevon Looney while Steph is still active. Give us Kevon Looney yeah. he's from Milwaukee you can have Bayless. Absolutely, I did. I, I did second. on a heartbeat, and it's that's the sort of like I'd, I'd take a second round pick for any of those guys. I would also take any sort of young player who maybe we don't know what he is yet, or maybe he's maybe he's a little bit below expectations. Like uh, both of you will remember when we talked about Anthony Bennett before, and look, that's still what it is. Totally. But without being a first overall pick, you know that those type of guys who just people are sort of prepared to give up on them, but they're still young. I take anyone like that who has a contract that's cheap and is maybe even two years in exchange for Bayless. Spinning off of that, maybe before we go any further on trade stuff, is there any book on an expiring contract that you really that I mean they need to bring back next year? No. Like for me, all expirings could technically go. Like there's nothing, there's nothing there that you're like. Well, they'll need a point guard. I don't know if it'll be one of the expirings, but they'll lose Bayless and they'll lose Vasquez. And I don't think you want Tyler Ennis as your main backup. No, but like uh, I'm, I don't know. Maybe this isn't the platform. I'm gonna talk about this later on podcasts. Maybe a little bit later in the season. I will probably write about it as well. I mentioned it last week, I think. Um, but the books have a chance to completely build their bench from scratch this summer. So, like, I mean, having no point guards, I'd be completely fine with that. And let's go make some minor trades in the summer, or let's see who's around in the free agency. Let's try to get some of those smart deals that other teams were getting last summer. You know I what I mean? Be, I wouldn't be opposed to Vasquez if they got him cheap. Which, which is, is possible. Possible, possible with possible. his injury. But it looks like he will come back. Even then, he'd want to be good coming back to really... If they, if they got back. Vasquez on like 315 with a team option for the third, I'd yeah. be very happy with that. That's exactly what I'd want to bring Vasquez back. I'd even sit... If you had to pay $6 million a year with the cap going up, that's actually less than what he's on now. Yeah. Like, I mean... That's that's a cheap. That's basically as crazy as it sounds. That's the equivalent of what Bayless's three million is now. By the time that deal probably plays out, you're nearly you're nearly at the same sort of throwaway value. Like, I I don't know if this was hoops habit or I think it was here. Bayless is probably going to make eight or nine million on his next deal. I think it's very possible. Lou Williams is making seven, and Bayless is around the same quality shot creator as Lou will. Just bump up the shooting percentages on both ends. I think Bayless does. I think Lou Will's much more dynamic as a scorer. Is he? 
Yeah, Lou, Lou Will can score 30 points. Like, I mean... Yeah, that's true. He does more bulk. Like, but Bayless, Bayless, Bayless could never. Scoring. The world would... The world, not just hell, the world would freeze over if Bayless scored 30 points. I'm going to say that. He's going to go and do it the next week or so now. But. I, I can still see Bayless getting 7 million. Yeah, 7 million, maybe. I think 9, nine is high. Yeah, 9 is high. 7, maybe, from someone. Once, well, please, I, please, God... If there's a god out there, don't let it be the books that pay him seven. Here's the thing: there's gonna be stupid high. Con- there's gonna be. I wrote there's gonna be less maxes this off season. I believe that, and I had the evidence for. I think I talked about it on here already. I think you're gonna see a couple of really stupid deals, because there's gonna be this like like everyone's talking about. Almost every team's has max level space. There aren't that many max level free agents, so teams are gonna freak out and think they need to get someone to to you know bring back and parade around. Because that's what free agency is for insecure franchises, which is almost all of them. So some team like the Nets is going to offer like DeMar DeRozan and Brad Beal and get no one. And then they're going to go, uh-oh, and offer second-tier guys and get no one. And then offer, okay, we have all this money. Jared Bayless, here's $9 million. Please come here. That, that's where I could see. I don't, I don't see him getting $9 million from like the Bulls. It's, I see what, getting... it's what the Suns and the Knicks had to do last summer with yeah, centers. Exactly. Lopez and Tyson Chandler. Where it's not like, okay, Tyson Chandler's been a complete disaster. Robin Lopez has been good. But they were like, okay, we missed out on Monroe. We missed out on LaMarcus Aldridge as a big man. They just weren't in. Marcus Aldridge signed. None of those guys had any interest. We've got to get someone. Imagine that now if every team had that kind of cap space. Which is basically, except for like the Cavs and a couple others, but like if 20 teams had the cap space those two teams had, and they all need somebody, and there's like eight good free agents on the market, there's going to be some. I'm just glad deals. that's not the year. Like that, this won't be last year for the books, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I could definitely have put that much better, but you'll get the gist. <laughs> I don't want them to have to go and fill a major rotation spot, one spot with max-level money this year with that sort of environment. Uh, the, the maxes right now are insane, too. I I Honestly, I like Vasquez coming back if if they can get him cheap. Because even me, as a Grievous Vasquez fan, proud owner of a Grievous Vasquez jersey, I, I, like it's, if he gets paid, which look, he probably will, teams are going to pay... I don't want the part of that coming off injury and from what we've seen. But otherwise, and if he can't be had cheap, I'd happily watch every single one of those free agents this summer walk. Well, I mean, what, just so people know, a lot of people probably aren't as familiar with the inner workings of contracts of the Bucks role players they see play for four minutes a night. The expirings are, I want to say off top, uh, Plumley, Vasquez, Bayless, Mayo, Copeland... And yeah, that's it. That's uh, it. The team options on Inglis and JLB. Yeah, uh, did I say that's right? Oh yeah, because their second rounders they come up earlier. Yeah. So that's it. Like I mean, I would I would keep JLB and I would keep Inglis on their option. Just have to see the option. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, just just because. The same as, I thought about Jabari like before his rookie contract. Rookie contracts are valuable. Just. Give a guy a chance through that. You don't have to spend the money on the next contract if you have any doubts, but there's no harm in 
a roster spot here, a roster spot there, and seeing what those guys can bring to the table. No, I mean, it's a no-brainer to extend those two guys because probably combined they're going to make, like, under $2 million. So, I mean, that's all of a sudden you got two of your 15 spots for $2 million. You got $90 million for the rest. Yeah, like, I mean, J.O.B. next year will be nine eighty thousand. Same for Ingles. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. $1.9 between them. You have to. It's dumb not to. I mean, because J.O.B. does get minutes. I think he'll get minutes next year. I think he's proved he's a valuable rotation player. Not a sixth man, but like a eighth man. I mean, even if Inglis doesn't play, though, even if you, they do just stash him in the D-League, you only get 13 active players. You don't need your 15th guy to be someone you expect to play 20 minutes a night. If he's going to cost $980,000, just keep him. Why not? Yeah, and, you, and we don't even know what they're going to do with their picks, like, because people go, well, what about second rounder this year? Like, you can plan for that. I mean, if, if you have Inglis and he's going to be there and he's going to take a roster spot, you can go, okay, there's this European guy you really like who's going the second round. You draft him, you stash him. Like, I mean, you can put planning into that. It's... I, I really like the idea of the books sort of clearing what they can this summer and having a lot of work to do, but creating a lot of opportunities as in pick exactly who you want to be. Because if anything has become more apparent recently, it's that the bench defines who you are as a team as much as you're starting five. Like you can put all the time and money in the world into, oh, our starting five guys are like this and play like this. Those Yanis on-off numbers against the Heat, where he played 46 minutes. I'm going to say they were plus 10 in 46 minutes with Yanis on the court. And minus 2? Minus maybe more than that. I think it's the other way around. It was They were plus 2. Plus, you're right. Court. Plus 2, yeah, that would make sense considering how the game finished. Plus yeah. 2 in 46 minutes. <laughs> With him on the court and minus ten in two minutes without. That's that right there is what a bench can do. The uh the basketball nerd in me is super excited for the two second rounders the Bucks have this year. They're both pretty good picks. For second rounders. I like yeah, I like some of the names. This year. I I can't remember whose it is, but I, I keep saying I'm not jazzed. They have two. The better of like the Pelicans or the Kings. That's oh, right. so it's the Pelicans. That comes from um Mute, doesn't it? Yeah. Luke, Luke Richard keeps delivering. <laughs> but the, here's the real reason why those Zaza and Dudley trades were so infuriating, because like there's a good chance even if they like everyone says with second round picks is you can bundle them. And that's kind of true. They have some value that way as assets. Like, there's fun second round players. Like, Gary Payton Jr. might come in on that Pelicans pick. I mean, um, he's not Gary Payton, he, the first one probably, but he looks pretty good. He's going to be around for that in pick. In all likelihood, there's a borderline star in the second round somewhere. Yeah. Like, no. there, is, there is most years. There'll be someone who'll be really close. It's just a matter of finding them. The, the thing, I don't want to revisit this too much, but just as you say it there, the most ridiculous thing, the Dudley one's bad. The Zaza to the Mavs one is so bad because the Mavericks put absolutely no value on picks. Mark Cuban openly, I'm going to say it was on the low post last summer, he was like, yeah, we just, that's not the way we build our teams. I mean, we'll trade them away, whatever. 
the team who literally don't care about picks, you couldn't even get a real pick off. I don't Why'd you pay? Don't pay a dollar. Something's free. Yeah. That's how you become a billionaire. That's that is why Mark Cuban is a billionaire, um, and that's why the Mavs are good this year. Yeah. I'll take the L on that one. That's my biggest L from our off-season podcast. Mostly because I was outspoken about that, and like the Rockets was a big L, but everyone thought the Rockets would be good. So that's not that's like a minor L. Okay, I'm, I like that because that would make the Mavs a big W for me, and I was high on the Rockets too, so this is a minor L. So I mean, I'm I'm winning yeah. overall. No one go and look at my books projections from the summer. Yeah, that's and, bad. I mean, I'm winning overall. I, t- I took some major L's. I took a, a massive Wizards L too. Yeah, we all we all would have taken that one too. No, I had no. Nah, I'll just let's just go on. Never mind. Okay, we 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 will move on as I promised a few minutes ago. Oh yeah. To another trade. Warning: I may have opinions. This segment. Can I can I, I pre calm you down for this? Right no, now? I'm calm. It's been it's been a while. I'm calm um, until you probably Jordan not, will be okay. You might say something. I don't know. No, I'm not gonna egg you on. I, there's no chance. I don't need to be egged on. I egg myself on. So That's true. Atlanta Hawks point guard Jeff Teague is rumored to be on the trade block. Jeff Teague, as most of you, if not all of you, will already know. There are books connections there back in the summer of 2013, I'm going to say. Um, he accepted an offer from the books as a restricted free agent. Hawks were given three days to match, and at the very last minute, the Hawks came in and matched. That was in spite of Teague already very, very vocally coming out to the press in Atlanta and letting them know he was... Happy with moving on. He did not want to go back. He felt wanted in Milwaukee. That's where he was going to go. Fast forward to three years later. The Bucks had that historically bad season. They had the playoff hope. And here we are now. The Hawks have got gradually better. And so has Teague as such. Teague is currently on an $8 million a year deal that the Bucks very, very kindly didn't go too high on when they made that offer for... For Teague, they, they gave the Hawks a nice contract for a couple of years at $8 million, um, which, no matter what your thoughts are on Jeff Teague, $8 million a year for a point guard of his caliber is an incredible bargain in the NBA right now. John Henson makes $11 million a year, just a reminder. Well, next year. He makes that next year. Yeah, that's his contract. And I'm not, that's not, I'm not getting down on John Henson. I'm just... If we're talking about a current contract, OJ Mayo makes the same amount. That that's, that that as, makes more sense. That's Jeff <laughs> um, Of course, because of the history, there are whispers about Teague and the books. And um, more than just the history, obviously, the books situation at point guard is always uncertain. Is maybe the best way to put it. First of all, how would you guys feel about Jeff Teague as a book? Excited. Um, there you go. 
I, I just said excited. You I didn't meant, Jordan. Excited. I thought it was. It sounded like he was going to go for it. Um, I was just. That's that was. That's all that needs to be said. It's obviously I'd be pumped. It's Jeff T. He's really good. Uh, I was advocating for T so much during that summer. I wanted him so bad. I thought the offer sheet at the time. I thought it was like just high enough that they could get him, and the Hawks. Of course, uh, came in and accepted it. Uh, yeah, I would be excited. I think he's a really underrated point guard. Um, probably, in, I wouldn't say he's commonly like, but they kind of are in the same group that they are highly overlooked and um, really. Their numbers, I. I I sorry for going on this huge rip, but I saw people like look at their numbers like, why would we want to get that? It's like he offers a lot more than just individual numbers, and he's a really he's a high quality starting point guard in the NBA, and he's still twenty seven. I want to say twenty six. Twenty seven. So you're hitting that right age. So um, yeah, I I think it'd be great. But there's a big but coming yeah, up the, after. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think the but is the part we'll get to. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk about what it would be like for him to be a book first, and then we. We'll, in the in the we'll, same way that the Hawks are the Spurs East, I think Jeff Teague is Mike Conley East. That's who Jeff Teague yeah. reminds me of. I honestly, and at the time when Bud came over and the talk of this came up, I couldn't see it at all. I don't have a problem with calling Jeff Teague Tony Parker East. No problem. He does he does his job in exactly the same way. Like he, he does just enough of what requires him. He's a really good driver. He's really fast. He can shoot the tree. He's got better at it. His percentage never quite does that justice because I don't know. T can get really streaky. At the same time, he never really completely bottoms out in just long spells without making a three pointer. And um, what Jordan said and what people their go-to with any player is just what are his numbers? What what does he average per game? The problem with that with Teague is he plays for the Hawks. So the Hawks are the team who five players won player of the month for January last year. And that's no coincidence because it's not the sort of team where it's like go get your individual numbers. It's not how it works. As I pointed out in the piece I wrote on Teague and his links with the books and all of this stuff. I wrote a lot of words. I, I needed an outlet. <laughs> Teague is second in the NBA in secondary assists. Only behind Stephen Curry. So you might go, oh, his assists are good. They're average. Well, the only other guy who makes more passes to assists than Teague in the NBA is Stephen Curry. There's just He's a good passer across. It's not just assists. He's a good passer. The ball will move well with him. He makes really good decisions now. It wasn't always the case, but he's, like to me, he's the definition of solid, and that's solid is normally like it's putting a cap on somebody's ability, but that's not the case with Teague. And this is why those of you who don't know, which is probably none of you, I have sort of... I have horses. I have multiple horses in this race. We'll put it as. Um, I have. I have a horse. Secretariat. I have a horse in. In um, we we'll call it. We we'll call it. I have a horse in Vault Green. 
<laughs> and I have a horse in whatever color green. Forest I think green. After their skin. Forest green is that the book's green? You got Bojack. You got Bojack Horseman. The Bojack is back in the stables, having a good time. I've got the horse of Fault Green, and I've got the horse of Forest Green. Bojack is coaching the Lakers. <laughs> Kojak. That should be the next season of Bojack Horseman. Is Bojack as the coach of the Lakers? That would be incredible. I would love. The that. Lakers would win ten more games if Bojack Horseman was their coach. Bold prediction. I, I honestly, I want, to, I want to start writing that myself tonight. Um, I'll voice act every character. I've done it before. Okay, if you've, you've changed my mind, I don't want to write it tonight. Getting back uh, on topic, I was going somewhere with Teague there, and now, where was I going? You don't want him to get traded. You I, got wasn't a horse getting, I wasn't getting there yet. I know well, where I was going. You got horses in Atlanta if yeah, you say I, you don't want him to get traded. I, I, I know where I was going with it. A name that has come up a lot on Book's Twitter. Nothing really solid, but Book's fans have been very fond of, from the start of the season, is Dennis Schroeder, the man who, if Jeff Teague was being moved, it would be assumed that it was to hand the keys to the offense, and I guess the team as a whole, really, over to Schroeder. That is a bad idea. That is not something the Hawks should want. That is not something the Bucks should want. Those of you who love what you see from Dennis Schroeder, go watch more. He's got a lot of potential. I like a lot of what he has to offer. He is unpredictable. He has got incredibly irrational levels of confidence in himself. He doesn't necessarily make the best decisions. If you want to be a really good team, he's not the ideal guy. Well, he would be a 20-10 point guard in the league and be on a team who doesn't win a lot of games. That's that's the way I see his career panning out. He could be on like an 8 seed perennially with 20-10-ish averages. Like he's He's got the game for that, but there's more to it than just having the game. And Teague, what he does really well is he defers. He says, tonight is Kyle Corver's night. Tonight is Kent Bazemore's night. More often than either of those guys, tonight is Paul Millsap or Al Horford's night. And that's something really valuable in certain setups, and one of those is the books. What the books don't be... need is a point guard that's just going to come take everything away from Yanis, Chris, Jabari, Moose, etc. Over to you, Ty. I'd be very surprised if they traded Teague and kept... I, like, I feel like Schroeder's the obvious one to trade. Uh, maybe it's this Teague thing's a smokescreen. I mean, just who the Hawks are. I mean, Teague makes more sense than Schroeder. Like, okay, Schroeder's younger. Who cares? Look yeah, at the Hawks' core. This isn't the Bucks. This is a team that wants to win a title. No, but the, the thing with that, Ty, is it's not the younger. It's what we were talking about a few minutes ago. It's the next contract. It's Teague's got two years. He's, uh, he's really got one year. We're on 18 months now. So, oh, yeah, but I mean, he's got two... When I yeah, say but, two years, I mean he's got two playoffs, and no, that's what matters. But, but listen, stop. The Hawks have to pay Al Horford the max and the real max. Yeah. I mean, a max of a guy who's been with the franchise his whole career. That's what they have to do this summer if they want to keep him. So yeah. if they're keeping Al Horford, that's a massive dent out of their cap. Jeff Teague has been on this bargain contract for quite a while. So next summer comes along, he's going to have to be paid. 
think a good season from Jeff Teague next year, he he could really push himself towards max money. Like, why not? Tra- I, 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 just, I don't know. It seems. But like you see, if they, if they traded Schroeder now, if they traded Schroeder now, they might be able to afford Teague next year. And I, that from that point of it, I understand the talk of it because they do. They want to win now, but at the same time. They don't want to only be able to win in the next 18 months and then to have a major problem after that. So there's part of it that's sort of hedging the bets. I wouldn't do it quite yet if it's me. I'd wait to the summer and see, and see what way and feel it out and see what way Horford's contract plays out as well. Um, I do under I understand that part of the thinking. So it's, I don't think it's just age and potential. Like a lot of Hawks fans take this stance with it. It's like he has so much more potential than Teague. I don't know about that. Personally, I'd be happy if they could get Schroeder on another Teague-level contract. It would be a little bit higher by the time he comes on to a second contract because the cap's gone, but something that's the equivalent of that for the same amount of time if he played at Jeff Teague's level because that's good enough. That's Really, it is. For most teams in the NBA, that's good enough. I mean, I just... Where the East is right now, I think you just keep Teague and make the two runs. Like, the, the dominant team in the East fired their head coach less than a month ago. Like, there's instability there. Like, there's there's a path to the finals for these Hawks this year. I didn't put them in my contenders piece. I think there's a path to the finals for this team. They have the experience. The, the Toronto Raptors don't have the experience. They're a really good team. They don't have the experience. The Bulls are prone to collapsing at random times because they have approximately three players who are better than average, maybe. Maybe three players who are better than average on that roster, and Jimmy Butler is very, very good. But in a seven-game series, you need more than three good basketball players. The Cavaliers are unstable. I feel like the Cavaliers could melt down in the middle of a series if they got pushed. Because I wrote about this today. Like, Kevin Love, they still don't use him. He scores less than three points per game in fourth quarters. Like, in the fourth quarter, you don't even have to worry about him. You shut down Kyrie and LeBron, and they don't know what to do in the fourth quarter. It's if JR's hot, they'll win. If he's not, they'll lose. I think you just, I think you roll the dice now. You pay Horford. I mean, the cap will be a hundred and some million when Teague comes up. It's gonna be hard. Maybe they, I don't know, I don't know the ownership. You would know this better no, than me. No, no one does because it's a new ownership. So we we don't. Yeah, it's Grant Hill now. They, they they'll probably run up to the tax, but I mean. These two years, I mean, they got Horford, they got Millsap, they got Teague. Corver seems iffy, but Bazemore has been great this year. They might not be able to keep him. They're gonna have to pay him as well this summer. See, this is where. But, but I, I would, if you're gonna trade Teague, trade him next year. Keep, keep Teague, keep hot Bazemore. But his value, but the thing, his expiring won't be that valuable. His expiring contract. Whoever keeps him can give him a bird deal. It's a little valuable. That might not mean anything if the cap is. Going to be towards what 110 million. And you don't have to. You don't just, have to. That's an easy game for for a team to play as well. Like there's there's something. It doesn't happen often enough, but there's something to be said for like sign and trades as well. Like yeah. if someone really like liked Teague and they wanted to tie him down as their point guard long term, him seeing his contract out, signing with the Hawks to be traded and getting his real money. Like there's something to be said for that, but at the same time, it doesn't happen a lot. Like, I don't know. There's there's a lot of questions where the Hawks are. I don't. I'll go on record now. I don't want them to trade Teague. I think it's 100% the wrong move. And to that same sentiment, if I was the books and if I could get him, I would do all I could to get him. 
Yeah, but I don't think there's any trade. I just I think this year is. I mean, they they haven't played great in the regular season. I'm talking about the Hawks now, but I think this is a year where they could go on a run. I mean, they have so much experience. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yeah, they went to the finals. I mean, they they didn't look good, but they had so many injuries. I think this is the year where they really. I mean, if they traded Teague and put Schroeder in charge, I I don't see them making a deep postseason run under Schroeder in his first year manning the ship in the postseason. I think with Teague, I think that I don't I don't think it's guaranteed. I'm not saying they're the favorites to to make the NBA Finals, but I think there's a, a pathway there for them. Like I really wish Andrew was here this week for this one because me and Andrew have talked about this quite a lot. Um, but I'll go on record and say it now is I would be very surprised if the Hawks don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And the only way I think that will that will not transpire is if they don't pick their form up soon enough and they really end up in a bad spot seeding-wise. But what what people don't get, who maybe they dipped into the Hawks last year and then they dip in this year and they look at them from a distance. And even, I suppose, there's Hawks fans who are panicking this year. To me, I have so much more confidence in the team this year. They look like they know what they were doing because last year wasn't sustainable. With that group of players, 60 wins they burned out. And that's what happened with injuries as well. Injuries came at the wrong time. They basically had a healthy regular season. As the playoffs came around, their health was gradually declining, which is the complete opposite of how you want it to run, really. I have a lot of faith in the type of guys the Hawks have that they learned their lesson from last year and they're better equipped for when the playoffs are all around to bring their A game then. They talked about it very openly because with the Hawks, it started towards the end of the regular season. They didn't just win 60 games. They were able to do that from far out. Like, Bud was resting guys for, like, the last 10 games. And it killed all momentum, and they knew it. They were like... Bud made a couple of statements hinting, like, oh, I don't know. We've Look, we've... There's, there's a process of learning when to peak, and... With hindsight, there's no doubt the Hawks did it too soon, yet still playing pretty bad. They got to the conference finals. The conference finals is what it is. I don't know. I'm not going to go there. Can't do that. Um, but I, I'm confident in what this team could do this year. So I wouldn't be making moves. I really wouldn't. But at the same time, I trust Budenholzer in that situation. And I trust Wes Wilcox, but Bud has watched how the Spurs stay relevant and they never fall on themselves. And it could be that, you know, if we don't make a decision with Teague or Schroeder now, it blows up and we end up with neither and we have a big point guard problem in 18 months. And the other part of that, and maybe it's not known quite as much outside of Hawks fans, there has been plenty of stories. Every time Schroeder goes back to Germany, an interview seems to emerge that he does with German press about him wanting to start. There was one earlier in the year which he later he later dismissed, um, but it was basically him saying if he didn't start by the end of the season, he, he was leaving Atlanta. He was looking for a trade. So Teague isn't that guy, but if they do really like what they have in Schroeder, there is a part of it where they have to manage his attitude, manage his ego. That's going to factor in. Is it? Sorry, I also heard. I don't know if this is true, but Jeff Teague is selling his place in Atlanta. He is. Um, I think that's just very, 
very unfortunate coincidental timing, but that news did break on the same day that the news of him oh. being shopped around came out. Um, he is selling his condo in Atlanta. Teague bomb. I'm pretty sure he is buying somewhere else. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's decided to rent. Maybe he feels like he is about to be moved, but I don't I don't think he's decided all of a sudden to be. We'll homeless. get we'll get Remax on the line. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't I don't know. I did see that as well. That's the sort of thing it just seems typical when these stories come out. There's always something like that, but that's about the most extreme case I think I've come across where it's like Oh come on, Jeff! Not not the day that the story. Comes <laughs> out. Uh, we uh we just spent a lot of time talking about Hawks and Jeff Teague. Luckily, the next section of this Teague can be summed up very quickly. We're getting to that part now, and this is how There's, do the books make a deal for Jeff Teague? They don't. There's no deal here. There's nothing the Hawks would care. I will. I will. Uh, there is. There is one deal, and I don't know. I said it to one of you. I don't know which one it was. There is one deal that could, under a very specific set of circumstances, work for both teams. What Mayo and like five draft picks? No, it's if the Hawks were thinking of trading Al Horford, which some other crazy rumors are saying they are. I don't believe it. Or if they were deciding, look, we don't want to pay his max, have him be an old guy on big money, whatever that is. If they were moving on from Al Horford, there is no big man the Hawks have been linked with more over the last three or four years than Greg Monroe. Always. Always, always. I don't know why that is, but it's just a rumor that kept coming up. So... What would it be like... Monroe and some like it would, it would have to be it, the, the salary is still tricky that's the problem because Teague oh, it could be Monroe and some part for like Teague and Corver probably I don't see the book the Hawks aren't going to give up Corver just like they're not giving Teague and Corver for Greg Monroe yeah Corver hasn't been that good but the, there's no like big deal about it he's gone through a slump like, I, I think that's it's over it's overblown completely. Like he's at an age where yeah, okay, there is legitimate concerns, but I don't know, it just doesn't bother me. Just nights where he comes out and he'll shoot it well. Like even because he's Kyle Corver, it's worse than it was, and that's like he went oh, yeah. and he, he started fiddling with his shooting mechanics. He was he was changing his shooting mechanics, like yeah, going, was... if I if I cock my wrist like three degrees more this way, I'm gonna make more shots. And that that's that's how Kyle Corver is. And he's now changed that back, uh, actually, for tonight. Let me see. I'm hoping to check the box score here and see Corver is. The game is over. Oh, Corver was 0 for 6 tonight. Um, oh, he should have kept it. He should have kept it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really, I'm not, I'm not that worried about Corver. It's not, not a big deal to me yet. I'm just thinking of guys that match Savvy's. Splitter is probably. Tiago's expensive. The Bucks would have to throw in something else. Tiago's like I 10. think it's about eight million, and that's eight and eight to Monroe's. Oh, I thought it was more than that. That would work yeah. then. I think Splitter and Teague. I like the Hawk side of me doesn't like that. I don't like what I'm giving up there still, but I don't know. There's there's probably that's a very specific set of circumstances where the books decide well actually we don't want to stick with Monroe we need a new point guard like a lot has to happen but
But outside of that, I can't find a deal. What Some the hell would they trade Horford for? Sorry? What the hell would they trade Hartford for, Horford for? I, I have no idea like, what they were going to Celtics, the Celtics the rumor, and Avery Bradley is being mentioned. I would want Avery Bradley, and I, I think I'd want the Brooklyn pick. And they'd just say no then, and that would suit me fine. But yeah. like, I, I don't want some sort of mediocre first-round pick. Like It would take two good first-round picks, if you're not giving a really good one, two good first-round picks, a guy like Avery Bradley. Otherwise, I wouldn't even spend half a second thinking about it. Underrated in the same way that Teague is. We won't, we won't go in on Horford, because I don't know. I feel that one is maybe a little bit more far-fetched, but just sort of bound to happen, seeing as he's an expiring in the summer and there's a lot of variables there. I don't think a lot of people quite get the value of Teague, though. That was the one thing I got from a lot of the deals I was seeing proposed. It's like, well, what if Jared Bayless and Miles Plumley and... No, this is, this is an all-star point guard last year. This is legitimately, like, one of the better floor generals in the NBA. Just because he's not, like, Russell Westbrook dominant, it doesn't devalue him in any way. Like, it's amazing. I guess it's part of having a really strong, established core. But there is an element of, as books fans, as books writers, you want to keep getting more talent, but without actually giving anything real up for it. That's like, that can't happen. So for this deal to, to go down... It would need a third team, if not a fourth team. And as I wrote in my piece on it, the books wouldn't really be giving anybody anything, so they'd need some really generous teams who were just going to accommodate the deal. I don't know. I, I really I'm I don't see a way of it working. No, I, I don't see it at all. Uh, unsurprisingly, I don't see any trade <laughs> working this year. Um, besides maybe I can see a Bayless one but their bench is just such a wreck that it would just be so yeah it wouldn't be but at this point I'm like who cares I don't They're, care yeah the bench does, the bench is a wreck anyway I mean so like there's probably margin of diminishing returns like maybe if they get rid of enough bench players the bench just gets better if they, if they put no guys <laughs> that would definitely make the bench better um, but one of, which one of you has got the quote? Because it's it's Jordan has the quote. Good. I'm gonna make a prediction right now. Bold prediction. The books will definitely, definitely make a trade. Yeah. Definitely. Is this John Hammond said it himself? John Hammond said it himself. You read it, Jordan. I think of all of us, you are the right person to read this. <laughs> do you have it up, Jordan? I do. Okay, I have it up too, but I just got a, a fat ad opened. Now, read, read between the lines, people. Are you ready? We're ready. The question was from Charles Gardner of the Journal Sentinel. Are you anticipating making any moves before the February 18th trade deadline? John Hammond's answer, Hell this time yeah. of year, 
We're doing our due diligence. We're on the phone. We're talking to Jordan. Don't, Jordan, don't, don't emphasize different words. You just read it. We're not, we're not asking for you to act it. We're saying read it, Jordan. Okay, I'll read it like a robot. <laughs> uh, this time of year, we're doing our due diligence. We're on the phone. We're talking to other teams. Beep we're making boop. calls. We're receiving calls. We'll evaluate, and as the trade deadline draws near. We'll see if there's something we could do that may help our team. Bro, a.k.a. we're trading somebody. That's what he said. He said we're going to trade somebody. That's also GM speak for I'm not going to show my cards. It's that, not yeah, It's not really. I mean, can I think, like, there's there's more nondescript no comments than that. You know what I mean? There's, that's a lot to say. Yeah, like, no, John, you don't have to say. You don't have to say if there is a deal. Like, you can, you've said that. Anyway, without the last part of if there's a deal that makes us better, we'll like you actually don't need to say that. You imply we're doing well, that, our due diligence, we're making our phone calls. Yeah, that say, says that part. It's the next part of that that's like He says they're making calls. Making calls is your inquiring. Taking no, calls is something else. Doing due diligence it's, it's been every rumor that we've heard. Like even like Kevin Martin, uh what was the other one? Uh, big one that was like Karam Other. They're all about they're exploratory. That doesn't mean that they're they're just asking. It's not. I don't know. I feel like people get carried away with this trade talk because it's ramping up and you want something to happen. It, it's not. I, I don't. I'd be I'd be happy if they do nothing. But I I genuinely think they will. I'm not saying that we're gonna be. We're not. I I okay. I'll also put out there. I don't think we're going to have. A part in a blockbuster three-team trade like we had last year, but do we see like Miles Plumley get moved for a second-round pick or some, maybe some veteran on like a two-year deal or some young player who's not quite played up to his ability? Yeah, I think we see something like that or a Jared Bayless or like I think there's a there's definitely a move like that in the books. You you know Jordan. John Hammond cannot sit on his hands at trade deadline. I, that's true, but I'm I want to do keep talking because I want to look up what John Hammond said a year ago and see if it's <laughs> oh exactly God. the same quote. Imagine like, that. What if what what if John Hammond is a robot? I mean, what if he, he has sort of auto-generated responses? I I don't know what to move on to during this. I, I don't, and there's, I mean, there's no. I, I think we're better not doing it. The suspense will be enough for everyone. There might be quite a lot of suspense because I don't know how easy Jordan's gonna find pre-trade deadline quotes. I found it. Oh. oh my god! He probably has them all archived in a yeah. folder somewhere. <laughs> no, no, all I did was John Hammond, Bucks, 2015, and it's also from Charles Gardner of. Well, of course it is. Who else? Well, I know, but I just I like to source things. Did they print the same know. interview again? Did they? No, it's actually it's a little different. Uh, how it's, it's a little different. different. Are you ready? My dream is just that when you read this, you convince yourself now that we're right. Let's see. Uh, General Manager John Hammond made it clear Tuesday that the team's promising future will not be compromised for current game, however. 
and he's quoted as saying, look, the big picture for us is becoming a championship caliber organization. For us to get short-sighted and say, let's try to win today, and replacing any thought of moving forward into the future. I think we're all aware that's not who we want to be. Wow, so basically... Basically, wait, 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 wait. that's wait, a clear answer. Anything we're looking at today is still hopefully going to be focused on acquiring peace or talking about adding pieces that can be long-term players for this organization. How does that not sound anything similar to what he said this past week? It, it, they're both the truth. He just tells the truth. He's not a liar. So I'm not saying he's a liar. I'm just saying those are clear. Like I have to make it sound like we're doing something instead of... Yeah, but no, but the thing is, it's not that he just had to make it sound like, because he said that last year, and then he really did something. He did exactly well, what he said true. he did. He went and he found multiple young players for, for the future. He basically tells everyone in that quote, look, we're, we're not making any short term. There's not going to be a short gain out of this. We're going to be bad. We're going to be bad, and it's going to be for, for long-term gain. I mean, he was Nostradamus, John Hammond there. I don't know. No, he just he just said what he was gonna do. It's not really Nostradamus. It's just no. He predicted saying the, something and then doing it. He hinted at the this is a future move, not a now move. Things are going to get ugly. Basically, is what that is. He said we're making calls. They're gonna they're, they're looking to make a trade this year. For the record, it's not the they're making calls part that gets. I think it's because, the we're making because calls. every every GM says those exact words and yeah. and the same with due diligence. There, every GM says that. It's the last part. It's the, well, if we can find a move that makes us better now, because that's then when he makes the move, everyone's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess they think that makes that makes them better now. I'm sorry, Jordan. I don't necessarily I'm sorry, want to. He probably, said this, he probably said this about every trade deadline, even when it was Mark Carter Williams or in the worst possible cases. But Jordan, that's the point. He makes trades at every deadline. He's a maverick. Not a Dallas member, but your kids are true. He can see his house from here. I, I can't remember where we where we are in the podcast. To be honest, I think uh, we just. <laughs> out here. Let's, let's, we got let's go to predictions. How many games have we got this week? We've got three. Strange one. I'm interested in what the books are going to do in. Undisclosed West Coast locations. Not even West Coast. What they're going to do between Portland and Utah between Tuesday and Friday. Not too many strip clubs are on there. Who knows what they they're going to do. They need to go bowling or something. I want some yeah. books bowling. I would like a bowling trip. They went bowling before. I mean, They have gone bowling already this season. I feel like it would be fun to like... See what the books look like playing golf. Let's. We need some sort of team bonding. There. Let's Laser plan it. I mean, I want the Laser books tag. to go to a movie on Wednesday. Movie on Wednesday night, and then maybe early Tuesday. Or sorry, early Thursday. Then they'll practice. Then maybe bowling later that day. Don't sleep on uh, Rashad Vaughn. Laser tag Snapchats would be great. I'm ready for that. That that would be good. They'll probably go to a. They went to the prison last time. They had some. They'll probably go to somewhere. Maybe they'll go on a mountain. Between Portland and Utah, I don't know if if they go. It's a good idea to bring like professional basketball players up mountains. I don't know. Yeah. Especially not in Colorado. 
anyway, you can tweet your ideas at us for what the books might do on Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> on Monday... Hashtag books feel true. <laughs> hashtag books feel true. Jordan Tresky will supply the, the best answer with a haiku. Oh, no. Stop doing this. Tell me one more haiku, Jordan. Calm down. You're only going to have 30 or 40 haikus, right? So, oh, no. Um, if you don't see any articles from Jordan in the next couple of weeks, you should give you <laughs> haikus. It's just a collective of, collection of haikus. Yeah, yeah we'll just post, we'll just post the, haiku, the haikus. A collection? I like it. I mean... If you would buy Jordan's collection of haikus, let us know, and we can set up a, a store on site. Really, no, really. Um, Monday, the books are in Sacramento. How are we feeling? Is Boogie? Is there any word Boogie is going to play? He sprayed his ankle last night. He's uh, he's probable, I think, for like the game before that one, or maybe it is that one. Yeah, they want to play back to back to back. Yeah, no. So it's probably that game. I bet he plays. Boogie doesn't like missing time. They're actually really good right now. Well, Boogie's really good right now. I'll go. Kings by f- 14. Oh. Wow. Wow, I'm gonna go Kings by eight. They're they're gonna dictate the pace, and the Bucks aren't ready to run with them. Just like what happened in the Bradley Center. If the Bucks can't dictate the pace at home, they could, certainly can't go on the road and dictate the pace. Kings by six for me. Oh, this is a crazy moment where all three of us take the Kings to beat anyone. I'm gonna say I'm taking Kings by six, and that's probably working off the assumption that Boogie is out. Like if if Boogie is there, it could be worse. I, I like I think with with Costa Kufus at center, the Kings could beat the books right now. Rudy Gay is about to drop ten thousand points on Jabari. is crazy good already. And uh, defense, but yeah, he he's really good. No, he's like finishing like fifty eight percent of his shots already. Well, yeah, okay, th- those are DeAndre Jordan finishing. Hey. Come on. I know it, it works. It works, but I mean, it's not. They're not dumping the ball to him, and he's not. He's not doing boogie stuff. I'll be honest. I paid really little attention to him, but now you say that, it makes me sad because I remember, like, before the draft last year, when we were all trying to figure out ways that they could find I, a trade. They, they could have really used him. He's really like. He's much. He's a better defender than DeAndre is already. Like, he's a legitimately very, very good defender. He's so fast. Yeah, that's. I was just thinking of like the hypothetical of the books draft Woody Cody Stein, and then what do they spend their cap space on? They'd probably just keep the cap space. There was nothing really else to spend it they on. They give but... over Ashik eighty million. Oh, <laughs> oh <God>. <laughs> <laughs> that contract makes me sad about life. <laughs> on Tuesday, then back to back. Second, I have a back to back. The books go to Portland. I don't think they're going to lose all these games, but the second night of a back-to-back against Dame and CJ? I'm 
Trailblazers by five. They're not good, but the Bucks are really bad too. I, I feel like I'm overrating the Bucks. I don't know if I'm going to take the Bucks on the road again unless it's like Phoenix. Blazers by 11. What was yours, Ty? Blazers by 5. I think. I'll go Bucks by 4. Ah, uh, you're trying to gain ground, huh? No, even though that could be the game that puts me... Oh, I didn't I didn't do the most important part. Let me just... Let oh, me book. okay. What did oh. I say there? Bucks by... 4? Four? 4. 4, you said 4. Um, let's go. I, I can't believe I missed this part. So, the leaderboard for predictions. First place, 30-19 and 19 record. Mike Helm. Points differential of 586. Second place, I'm going to say riding a five-game correct streak is me. 29 and 20. You didn't expect that, did you? When I, when I said it so calmly, and then it was me, yeah. 29 and 20, 550 point differential. I'll just put a little circle around that there if you'll join me. That is the best point differential of any of us. Except Andrew, who <laughs> doesn't, doesn't count the point differential. In third place, if only he had been more efficient with his picks. Same record as me, 29 and 20 for Ty Windish, but 582 point differential. One game back, I'm sure, like, just waiting to jump over Ty. Leapfrog. 28 and 21, Jordan Tresky. Jordan is effectively two games behind, thanks to his 631-point differential. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> Jordan is the first man over 600. This is the guy who just picked Kings by 14, Blazers by 11. Uh, so, let's... <laughs> you're going to be first to 700, too, Jordan. You're going to ride or die. <laughs> And then Andrew Snyder, we put him last because I don't know where else to put him with his <laughs> on again, off again appearances. Six and three, 71 point differential. He's a marksman. He is a marksman, that is a fact. <laughs> Not a joke, a fact. Yeah. Um, Andrew is engaged at a, we'll say, a day of Southern festivities today. He's already sent me some pictures. Um, so. Uh, here's hoping he'll be back next week with some really good stories for us. So yeah. those of you who miss Andrews, I'm trying to think of what, try. yeah, I was I was trying to think of a way to describe his voice more specifically. Um, it's milky smooth, and that's a really good compliment. And I'm really upset I haven't seen these pictures yet, Andrew. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, so Andrew might be back next week. Hopefully, he'll have a story for us. No pressure. Friday, after they've gone on their trip to the movies and then gone bowling. And laser tag. Uh, unlikely. Um, who, who do we think the best bowler would be? Is Jordan MCW Googling does, the best bowler? MCW does a lot of bowling. I was going to say, MCW's charity events are always bowling related, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. She seems like you'd be a good bowler. 
I, I have no idea how to gauge how good someone is a bowler. I have a feeling Rashad Vaughn might be a good bowler. No, nah, I mean, he might be, but he's probably the guy who, like, tosses it halfway down the lane and stuff. He could be that, or he could be just like that. He is, like... There's a uh, yeah, so much time to bowl just because his brain works differently to everyone else's. He's like on a scale, a... Brian Skinner to Andrew Bynum, I think. Uh, Rashad Vaughn. Sorry, I don't know. I brought that up. There's a ten thousand oh, chance. That. I think Rashad Vaughn is a, um Al Harrington. Okay. <laughs> I forgot about Al Harrington. If anybody understands that reference in its entirety, like every part of it. I mean, Jordan will write you a haiku, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, this haiku thing is becoming a thing. I'm, I'm scared. I Rashad like... Vaughn uses bumpers. I guarantee it. I've been trying to say that for three minutes. He uses the bumpers. <laughs> He's 100% the guy who's like, nah, I need the bumpers. After the bowling, how are they going to play against the Jazz on Friday? Well, oh, oh, here's an advanced stat. I'm trying to remember what the exact number is, and I think it's 94. It's a number in the 90s. When the Jazz hold their opponent to under that record, they are like 23-5 and five or something. When they allow more than that, they haven't won a game. The Bucks' offense is poop, so I'm going to say Jazz by 7. Uh, that's I've already typed that, so I'm you gonna jazz... make me redo it. No, I'm jazz by seven two. I said I just I'd say it straight away ahead of Jordan before you get upset after I've had time to think and say the same to you. So we're both jazz by seven, Jordan. Okay. Jazz by ten. This this is why your point differential is that big. <laughs> he could have he could have taken the under and gone jazz by five, but no. You realize I don't think this has happened with either of you before. You both gone for a winless books week. It's normally me that does that, and I get burned trip. every time I do it. Yeah, it's a road trip. It's the They're road so trip. bad. They're, They're pretty. They've always. I don't know what it is, but they've always just have never been good in the West Coast. Well, I mean, most, I mean, plus these are three teams who are vying. I mean, Portland probably it, will make it. It does that vying for playoff spots with them generally not having been good, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Per chance, would that have that any to do with That the may be a part of it. Okay, that's that's predictions. Tune in next week for when. We, 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 I'm not saying anything. We might have a new leader. Mike's picks. Mike has the advantage of picking the day before games. I'm not, I'm not holding that against him. I'm not saying I'm really the true leader or anything like that. Uh, I'm just saying he you has said, that advantage, so we we'll have to wait and see how Mike's going to take pick. Take us to your leader. Mailbag. Mailbag. We have a jam-packed mailbag this week, so thank you very oh, much oh. for that. Um, I was a little worried with our with our adjustments to our, our regular schedule that our mailbag was going to be empty, but... Little should I have worried. Um, you did not let us down, good listeners. There's a few questions that are sort of tied together, so let me just see if I can group them up here. I've got two that I'm going to... I'll ask both questions, so so both of our good listeners can get their shout-outs. 
and we might address them as the one as such. First one comes from at Rob Schultz. What would a realistic ideal trade for the books to have? What would be a realistic ideal trade for the books to have at the trade deadline? The second one comes from at Ryan Stone, and it's what is a realistic trade the books can make that'll get them a solid three-point shooter without sacrificing key players? Uh, for the first one, I'm going to stick with my Looney trade. For the second one, uh, I honestly have no idea. I, I haven't really been thinking in shooter terms. Yeah, I really don't know. I'm not really worried about it. I guess they could get Ariza or Corey Brewer. Houston's shopping both of those guys. Are they really? Are the yeah. Rockets have Ariza? I know. It sounds Ariza. like they're shopping everyone. Yeah, yeah that's. But Ariza's that both of those guys are on three-year, eight million per year deals. So, if I mean, if the Bucks want I mean, to, if they, one of them. If, yeah, if they want, I mean. Is that what Ariza? Ariza is three years, eight million. If they don't want Ariza, they can have OJ Mayo. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind Ariza. He's struggling, but I think a change of scenery would help. I think he's a good player. He's exactly what the Bucks need off the he bench. He can play both ends. He's a better shooter than Mayo. Uh, three years, eight million isn't a bad contract at all. No, but I could see Houston wanting to get rid of it for flexibility because they're going to do a lot of crazy stuff. It kind of works for both ends. I don't know if Moria would bite on Mayo, but we'll see. If that's if that's the thing, I might have to do some uh, digging just to see how much they're. Re- if they if they want to move Trevor Ariza, oh, I'll take Trevor Ariza. I know I've seen it on Hoops Hype that Ariza is one of the guys they're looking into moving. Like the the deal that for me I think it makes the most sense, as in a deal to happen. I don't think it's ideal in any way. Um, but the the rumor that I wrote about today that I really hate with Ty Lawson. You, you see that one? Sorry? You see no, that happening? Uh, I think if he had a bad couple of weeks, seemingly the Rockets are sort of will stick it through. If he had a bad couple of weeks... Bayless and Mayo is a good return for Houston on expiring deals, which keeps them good now. Plus, gives them their cap space this summer, and the books get Lawson for virtually nothing. Like I don't, I don't like Lawson with this books team. I don't want him, but in terms of a deal that could happen, that's maybe a little bit more than a minor deal. That's one where I don't know that return. There's a situation where that can be a good return for both sides. I don't know. I don't like it. It's hard to pinpoint minor deals because with a minor deal, that's generally the whole idea. But it's something you don't really think of as much. It can be a bit of a throwaway, and then it just happens. The three-point shooter—that's a tough one. But if a reason's available, that's defense and shooting. I don't know what the books need much more than that. And that's a guy if you're building your bench for next year. Eight million, three years. I. Definitely have some of Trevor Reza, please. What was the first question again? Sorry. First one uh, was just an ideal trade. Um, second one is realistic trade with a solid three-point shooter without sacrificing key players. I think ideal trade... Um, 
get some kind of pick or a kind of a buried rookie uh, rookie contract kind of thing. Couple, preferably not like expiring, but like a couple years left or something. Um, realistic, I mean, maybe I would say the only reason. If I could see a realistic trade to get like a three-point shooter, it would have to be a team's one of their team's bigs got hurt, and you send Plumley and I don't know someone, some other not important. Piece. We, we talked about this. We talked about this trade already, Jordan, in the week Adam wasn't here. Wizards, Gerald Eddy. Eddie oh yeah, that's Plumlee. right. I'd do it right now. Why not? I don't. Is Eddie even? Is he signed on an actual guaranteed deal now? I think so. Right, he's still up, isn't he? He's been up for a while. The, the Wizards the could really use December twenty third. Yeah, okay. The Wizards could really use Plumley. Like legitimately, they need him. Yeah, I don't think they give up Jarrell Eddie, and I, to be honest, I don't like Ed. I don't think Eddie's that much, to be honest. No, I don't either. But I mean, Plumley is not usable here. I mean, you talked about like, oh, he has been needed to play in Henson's absence. Well, kinda. I mean, you could slide Giannis up. You could slide Job up for a couple minutes here or there. I mean, it's not like this isn't a finals team. You can afford to do stupid crap. I mean, they played Jared Dudley at center sometimes last season. They don't need Plumley for the next 30 or 40 games. I'd take a flyer on Gerald Eddy for him. Why not? Take a flyer on these expirings. They're useless after this year. Like we talked about, you're not bringing any of them back most likely. Maybe Grievous, maybe. Well, see, that's maybe the part, though, where, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't move an expiring for a player who... Like they'd have to be planning their bench out now. So if yeah. you're moving an expiring deal, you want to be getting a guy who fits with what you want to do this summer. Like it's got to be a real. It can't just be well, we're just flipping Plumley and this guy's sort of good. That can't be it. It's got to be in line with the direction the front office wants to take this summer. It has to be with how they want to build the entire roster, more specifically the bench. That's got to be the way it falls. Like. If it was Trevor Ariza and they decided, okay, we're making a move, we're bringing in Trevor Ariza, I go, okay, well, maybe they want to emphasize three-point shooting and defense on the bench because maybe it's going to be lacking in the starting lineup. I get that. That makes sense. I just I wouldn't move those guys for the sake of it because as expiring, they're valuable because they give the books the freedom to go and pick what they want to do in the summer. But if they if there's any guy that they sort of like that they can go and get now, absolutely. If an expiring gets that, it's there's not even a second's thought in it. All of this assumes, and I I think wrongly assumes though, and I really hope I'm wrong. I can't tell you how much I hope I'm wrong. I think the books will want to bring back Mayo and Bayless. I don't see Mayo. Depends, I see it depends on what the money. Like I think, yeah, the, the thing, the Mayo's contract will probably go down, and Bay Bayless. Contract yeah, but it is. It's not about his contract. If, if he's just been, he just 
they have Vaughn too. Bayless has been producing. That's where I understand like that part of it. Mayo hasn't. That's why even if his like his value has gone down, I don't see the Bucks Coach Mayo. to mess with that again. I know. Coach Mayo. That's why they're bringing him back if they do. They're not bringing him back to be a bench scorer. They're bringing him back if they do to be Coach Mayo. But there are – I could see some crazy team giving him like $10 million because they have to hit the salary floor. Mm, I see Bayless way before I see Mayo getting that. I mean, well, Bayless has I played think, well, NBA basketball this year. It's going to be crazy this summer. Yeah, there's gonna be some des- there's gonna be the Omar Sheik deals. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Let's not depress ourselves right now. Uh, it's too late, I did it. I mean I <laughs> I was I was actually thinking about this a few days ago. Both of you will remember. Maybe some of our long time listeners will remember some of the Mayo Bayless discussions we had around last summer. I think everyone, but particularly me, I don't want to speak on other people's behalf, but definitely particularly me, was very vocal about being against Mayo and Bayless and everything they stood for. And that sort of softened, and I was like, I like what Mayo's doing now, I like what Bayless is doing. I am 100% back to where I was in the summer, where it's like, I don't want any part of these guys, I don't want to have to watch Bayless play again. I, I, I know he makes three pointers. He actually rebounds quite well a lot of the time. He is the black hole, though, as, as Marcus Johnson put it. Very aptly, the offense stops with Bayo. With Bayo? That's, you Bayo. know, that was, that was a Freudian slip on my back. That's your worst nightmare. Freudian slip on my back. Adam wakes up in cold sweats. Bayo! <laughs> I'm going to move on now because it was too perfect. Uh, the offense stops with Bayo. That's it. The next question comes from at Tyler Desh. My question is, should the Bucks give up on this season and go for a better draft pick, or should they try to make another playoff run for more experience for the young Bucks? We, we kind of covered it. We covered this a bit earlier. We covered, this, we covered this the last few weeks. The one thing I'd say, oh, playoff run is gone. I'm sorry, Taylor. The Bucks didn't give up on the playoff run. The playoff run gave up on the Bucks. <laughs> It's probably the best way of putting it. Still, I wouldn't tank. As we said earlier, they don't have to tank. Being the Bucks will be just enough to get them a good pick. Um, it's not going to be in our playoff run, but would we be happy to see the Bucks finish the season strong and win games? Absolutely. That would be better for the team moving into next season. Um it would be a positive. It wouldn't be against that. I don't think they have to give up or tank. The pick is going to sort of make its way to them. The next question comes from at J underscore cold as jelly. What position needs a veteran presence more? Point guard or center? He skipped the one I was... That's not... Neither. Small forward. We need a veteran small forward backup. I've been saying this since the roster got finalized. There's no one there. They need Jared Dudley. Like they both for his play and for his leadership. 
Would I be crazy to say that I think they could do with an extra veteran at positions one through five? No. Yes. Or not, I mean, not crazy. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, we can't be picky. We cannot be picky. Like, uh, I, that's that's my thought, because I'm like, point guard, okay, Bayless sort of covers it, but yeah, wouldn't wouldn't do any harm. Center, mm, instead of Plumley, might work out. And it is like, shooting guard, yeah, if they could find one who made shots on, like, Mayo, that would help. Small forward, definitely. Power forward. How about someone who fits Chris Copeland's role but can actually play basketball? That would help. So it's tough to say one more than the other. Of those two, I'd probably lean center. I'd go opposite. I'm only thinking that it's more there's such a log jam, and I think if Vasquez was healthy as well, if that ever happens again, I don't know. MCW Bayless Vasquez doesn't need a lot of. I mean, there's good experience there. Even MCW as a young guy has played a bit in the league. Monroe Henson, I don't know. They could do it maybe. Never I'm mind. Maybe, maybe it's just maybe it's just my maybe it's just my Zaza bias deep inside me going. They need a Zaza, but. I'm sticking with my cheat answer at small forward. The next one comes from uh, Alex underscore Koenig. Here it is. Here's the saga. There's a few of these. They're broken up by other people's questions, so it's fine. We have Uh, a lot of questions. This one is, does this mean the books are bad again? He doesn't specify what this is, but I'm guessing yes. probably like the recent one. Yes. Yeah, the books are bad again. Yes. Yeah. And well, I suppose it's important to say they're bad again, as in the context of this season. On the scale of books being bad historically, no, they are not bad again. On the scale of this season, yeah, they're bad again. They're they're bad, but they're not hopeless. They're just bad. They're fun bad. They're fun? they're Minnesota bad. They're learning is really what it is. Are we having fun yet? No. <laughs> no, Jordan. No, we're not. The next if, one. If, if you think this isn't fun, tr- pretend to be a Brooklyn fan for a day. I'm, I'm, you come over here after being a Brooklyn fan for a day. Like this is awesome. <laughs> they have to pretend that Thad Young is like a franchise piece. It could be worse. Yeah. Once again, from at Alex underscore Koenig 023. Like, I feel like we don't even have to ask this, but... who? This isn't to say that most people wouldn't have real answers to this, but this is Ty Windish for the end. Who has more value to the books? J-O-B or Jared oh. Bayless? Hmm. I'll answer first because I'm I'm making fun of you. Well, it depends. It depends but, if you're talking about this season. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Job because he's not an expiring contract. Yeah, if you're saying long term Job, if you're saying this season, I'd probably say Bayless because they don't yeah. have the damn score. I still think they should trade Bayless and keep Job. Uh, if they trade Job, I I will be completely just. I won't know what is going on. It's like I want to go right for one. Who was trading for him? Or what are they What are they giving? And like two. Why? Why? What was the need for it? I'm I'm gonna go right for Super Sonics forever <laughs> and be a Sonics fan because I would just feel betrayed. 
Jordan, you're very quiet in these last few questions. Jordan's I, got a date. I, I, question. I got a date. We got to go. Yeah. I said, or, well, not this one. I answered the last one. Well, you got to answer all of them. That's why we brought you. JLP or Jerry Bayless? Bayless, short term, JLP, long term. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was kind of obvious. I mean, yeah. it was a good question. It was fun to think about, but. From at Shaq B. Snacking again. Shaqy. The man who was the first, the first listener ever to break out of the restraints of the mailbag and make, make his way into the main podcast with his question. Yeah. Should Henson be given the chance to start with a Monroe trade? And then he also puts in at the end of this, which is sort of cheating. It's completely unrelated. But Minnesota or Milwaukee, brighter future, question mark. Um, Minnesota, uh, you guys can skewer me for that. And by you guys, I, I, I mean more, li- I don't think you guys will. You two listeners can probably skewer me for that because you guys got the bias glasses on. I'll tell you that from reading some comments and tweets. You got the, the Homer goggles. I'm going to say, I don't think Milwaukee's future is bad, but I mean, Towns and Wiggins is nuts. Um, I still think they're going to be like the best team in five years. Um, the first part, does that mean like... Should Monroe be traded, then should Henson get the job, or should Monroe be traded and Henson get the job? I'm not really sure. Um, I, I, think, I, mean, I don't I think know whether to take it. I think, I think it means should they trade Monroe to give him a chance. That's I think they should only trade Monroe if they get a, a pretty good deal. I, the one you suggested on the podcast when I wasn't there, I think, I, I wouldn't do that one. I, I it's not because I, I, just, I don't like David Lee. It's not that. I just I wasn't a fan of that trade. Um, I think if they got a good deal, they could trade him. I, I, I'm not I'm not in the throw him away camp. I've written about it. I don't think it, it's a good look at all. But I wouldn't if if he does get dealt, then absolutely give Henson. I think Henson does deserve the shot. I just think the way it shook out, they got incredible talent there. Yeah, I was I would say. Yeah, I, I think we were talking about this a couple. Podcast go give if that scenario would were, were to happen give Henson a spot as far as what was it why am I forgetting the second part what was the second part again it was, was uh, Minnesota or Milwaukee um I think you it's definitely you are more intrigued by what Minnesota has now compared to the Bucks but it is interesting that they both have point guard questions. You know, I think they do and they don't. People in Minnesota. Uh, no, there, like there are a lot of people that don't think Rubio should be the answer in Minnesota. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think if you have Towns and Wiggins, you can have Mario Chalmers at point guard in their primes, and you can probably win a title. I think Henson will eventually. That might mean before he retires, but he will eventually get a chance. <laughs> um. I'm going to go Minnesota as well, um, and that's purely because they have more right now. Because yeah. we were talking about the big gaps on the books bench. Timberwolves start Towns, and then they have like Pekovic and Gorgi Jang, who please just, like, if we're, once again, I did this last summer, and I was like, just please find a way to get Gorgi Jang. I want Gorgi Jang, right? Just get who me does? Gorgie Jang. Yeah, they're, they're, they're I, hope, I hope you felt they, the emotion in my plea there. That, I felt the emotion. They're so stacked they don't have minutes for Shabazz Muhammad. 
Yeah, it's another player. Shabazz Muhammad would be a sixth man on this team, maybe. Oh, they love Bayless. He'd be a seventh man, though. Do you like Gorgie Jang's favorite board game is? Jenga. You just hang your head in shame, Tresky. <laughs> he did the last name. <laughs> it's like... Jordan, you know what your favorite board game is now? Sorry, sorry to sorry to cut across your side. But what hurt me most there was there was a brief moment where I was I was excited to find out what Gorgie <laughs> Jang's favorite board game was. That's that's not my fault. And, and then and then that split second later I realized, oh, this is Jordan. This isn't only just gonna be a joke, it's gonna be a bad joke. Either bad jokes or just weird bolding. Uh, you realize we're the we're the hater pod now because we all said Minnesota, right? I'm gonna say we're still not the hater pod, but anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> this one comes from Alex underscore Koenig zero two three. Squad. I I might need Alex to prove to me that he's not actually Thai. Yeah, been calling me. for Ty to come back on, and then caught me. And then a question like this, which is, JLB for future sixth man of the year? No, oh they gotta God. they gotta invent a new award like eighth man of the year. I think he could win eighth man of the year. I mean, he's not a sixth man, but he's an eighth man. Like I like him at eighth man. I hope he's the eighth man for ten years. JLB as six man is an interesting experiment. I want to see what sort of team that is. That Johnny O'Brien is the first man off the bench. I think that's a stranger world than the one where he starts because you're like, that's a world where he's leading a bench unit. <laughs> Those three point yeah. one points per game on not really remarkable efficiency, but he is the best active three point shooter in the NBA. So one hundred percent three point shooter. Put him in yeah. the. They should put him Hashtag the JLB shoot. to Canada. Yeah. Hashtag yep. the third point shootout. Oh. I just lost for words for a little second. Right? <laughs> and, and Alex underscore Koenig 023. Was Giannis' game against the Heat a sign of his top notch potential if he tops out? Not just stats, but the on off plus minus two. Um. Hopefully not, because if it is, it means they don't have a bench still in his prime. No, his his potential, though, not the teams. Yeah, but he said the on-off. If his on-off is that dramatic, the bench has to kind of be bad. Yeah, I think that, that's probably that's fair. As in, I'm just I'm nitpicking. I I know. Yanis was plus two, which is not like, wow. Let's let's build the franchise around plus two. Oh, that was more. Not about, not so noisy. Yeah, but that was more about the bench was terrible. Yeah, that that's what I mean. It's a, it's a noisy. Stat. And to be fair to the bench, which you better hold on to this memory because I don't often suggest to be fair to this bench, but most of them were injured. It wasn't even the bench. Um, I I think yeah, his his performance and a lot of what he did was like that colossal dunk with a minute left. That was like real Giannis going and seizing in clutch time. I don't know if we've seen that before. No. It's normally like that sort of time of the game where he makes a costly mistake. Like he's much more likely to do that in close games. People don't like to talk about that. 
But Obviously. That that generally has been more likely than Yanis going and like. Well, lately, like that. early season he was fantastic. No, but not late in games like that. I, yeah, I, I still think that's it. About that. He isn't the guy you see coming to make that play at the end of the game. And to be honest, that was the issue I had with that last play was I didn't know why. I know they needed a three, but look, they could have still gone for a quick two with the time was left. I don't know why they were so eager to get it to Middleton. It was like, well, Yannis has been playing pretty well. Maybe let him try to do something. They actually did, did need a three because they called that stupid timeout with 14 seconds left and they were out oh, of timeouts. Yeah, that's, that's right. So if they, scored two, if they scored two, they wouldn't have been able to get the ball back after free throws. Uh, that was 14 seconds, though, wasn't it? Well, before they ran the play, yeah. I see why they went for three. Yeah, I don't okay. see why they called the okay, timeout. I sort of retract my statement. Not really. I mean, I mean, they couldn't really go for the two, but I don't. I, I, whatever. It doesn't matter. It was one game. Rashad Vaughn should have been out there. At TRW24. Oh, another good, another favorite. Vaughn hit massive trees against Miami. Brackets yeah. most promising books moment in a while. Yep. Is it time to give him a license to shoot? I think he has one. Yeah, I think he has one already as well. Yeah. I think that I think they've been pushing him lately to take more shots. I mean, why? It's like it's like we we're saying about tra- what, like trade Bayless. Why not? Like it doesn't. Oh no, we're gonna finish. You know, thirty-five wins instead of thirty-six wins if Rashad shoots out of a game. Like ah, darn. I think it'd be a lot more fun for all of us to watch. Like, I mean, we'd taken zero for nine shooting night to get like that rush of back-to-back trees and sort of a it close was game. I was there at that game. It was intense because they could not – they literally didn't hit a three before that. And it was intense three. everywhere, though, because I can't think of, like – who was the last books player to do that that wasn't Middleton? Like, in a game that matters that you're like – oh, Bayless. Bayless in the first 20 games when Bayless was but super he hot. he actually do that? Back-to-back yeah. trees – a couple times he went monster mode. Later. That Brooklyn, that Brooklyn game. Yeah, the Brooklyn really game. Really he played the whole. He played the whole game. He played forty-eight he minutes. He did that early in the game, though. Like as in his trees. I don't know. Like that was. No, he was. There was a couple remember of the Vaughn ones were about maybe five minutes left in the third. No, they were like it was like a minute left in the third. I think. Oh, okay, it was that late? Okay. It was. I know it was in the third. Yeah. It was definitely a promising moment. I, I think he's got that license to shoot. I won't see them let him keep shooting. I still think he's going to be a very gifted scorer in this league. I don't know about that, but I think he can be a special shooter anyway. So one way or another, whichever outcome, letting him shoot now isn't going to hurt that. Yeah. Last question from Alex underscore Koenig 023. This is one I think Alex talked to us about on Twitter during the week. And I just sort of step back like it will do now because I, do, I know nothing, bar I've seen the name multiple times now. And what Alex says is Nigel Hayes, Damian Inglis, Kump. Oh, I talked. I think we talked about this. Jordan had a better thing. My thing was just I like Hayes' attitude a lot more. Hayes seems a lot more focused than Inglis does. Was this actually on the podcast last week? No, I was not on the podcast. Oh, you were there. No, it was yeah. on Twitter. No, we 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 were tweeting about it, me, Jordan, and uh, and Alex. Yeah, I um, 
I'm not an expert by any means, so I can easily be wrong. But I just I think Hayes is more. I think he's older than Inglis already. Yeah, because he's three years in already. Yeah, so and I think he was a older. He was a little older when he went to Wisconsin. Um, I, I don't know. I have a feeling that he's kind of had. I think he's gonna be a really nice role player. I think he might be undersized because he's only six eight and he's not. His shooting, he's had a bad shooting season this year. Um, maybe that's because of having to take out a bigger role because they lost a lot of a lot of major pieces. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that's probably where it gets the best for it, like his ceiling. Defensively, I don't think he's ever been like a really. He's at best he's probably an average defender. There's just the theory, like we talked about with English. On paper, he has a lot of qualities that you think like, oh, he could be something really interesting. It just he has to put it all together, and he's still at such a stage where coming off a broken foot and all that stuff. He's we're probably not gonna see that for at least two to three years. So that's how I see it with him. It kind of reminds me of like a Sand Decker kind of player. Not in there. They don't play the same position, obviously. But just like a, an athletic guy who is a good worker. He's going to be a good bench guy. Probably never will be a full-time starter in the league, barring a pretty dramatic improvement on either of their parts. But just you know, a guy you really don't mind bringing off your bench to play some minutes. He's he's going to be active. He's not gonna he's not going to do stupid stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I just Googled his name, so I know what he looks like now, so there's that. <laughs> um, get, don't worry, people. It's getting to the time very soon. I will I will start to learn who these people are and have opinions right now. It's not that time. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much it for all of us. No coincidence, we we had our longest podcast in a while with the return of Big Time Tyrandish. <laughs> Um, and just in time, I gotta go get dinner with Shaq and Mark Cuban. So. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, gotta talk about Stitcher. Yeah, <laughs> Stitcher, and uh, we're gonna combine uh, Cyber Dust and Stitcher, Cyber. and uh, and Cyber. barbecue chicken, and dude wipes, and four rings, Ernie. Make sure to let us know what you think of the podcast. That seems like an appropriate time to say that. <laughs> if you have any thoughts on the podcast, women6podcast at gmail.com or get us on Twitter at Behind the Books. Also, most importantly, send us just, just a quick tweet. Let us know what is your method of choice for listening to the podcast. Otherwise, subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. I'm pretty sure the term is add us on Stitcher. I'd ask Ty, but he doesn't actually know. He just pretend to know. I, I use it sometimes. I think it is add. It's like, it is not like it doesn't have a word, but there's a little plus button. Right? And make sure to check out all of our work on site. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week, I suppose. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>